This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead, so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian-recommended pet food brand, Knowledge is Hills' first ingredient, with more than 220 veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide. For more information about Hills, their products, or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition, visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com, or connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Our outreach efforts are also supported by La Mega KC, Kansas City's Spanish radio station, and Hot 103 Jams, KPRS, KC's number one station for hip-hop and R&B. Today we're talking with our own Dr. Marta Andelson about winter pet safety on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City headquarters at 59th and Troost here in KCMO. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services. Yes, we are. We've been doing a lot of that lately. We've been doing a lot of that lately. Um, it seems especially, you know, weather gets colder, we get more calls about stuff. Um, so, and people are, you know, worried about other animals in their neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot to do and, um, and there's a lot to do, uh, on this episode today. So why don't we go do some pet news? Alrighty. Some news from right here in Kansas City, Dustin Weeks was touring Arrowhead Stadium, the home of the Kansas City Chiefs, with his father and sister when his father noticed something, two kittens playing on the field. One of them ran away, but the other seemed to be tangled in the field goal net. They went with their field guide down to help, and by the time they got down there, the kitten wasn't doing well at all. Dustin held him while his dad and sister tried to untangle him, but while they were working, the kitten stopped breathing and went unconscious. Dustin, a former Army medic, knew what to do. He performed an altered version of CPR on the kitten, who started breathing again. Dustin decided to adopt the kitten and name him Alex after former Chiefs player Alex Smith. Pretty cute. And a couple of years ago, we actually had our gala there, mm-hmm. and we saw like how many cats. Yeah, there were a bunch of cats because it was an empty stadium. We were up where they were when they were touring because they were up in the by the suites, which is where we had where we had the event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember seeing them just playing down there. I mean, there's tons of space. It makes sense. Yeah, like, could you imagine being that small in that big of a stadium? Right. I was thinking about that. Just being able to explore all of that. But they're working cats. Some people don't realize that, but, you know, they probably catch mice and any other rodents that come along. So, yeah, you have this big open space. So it makes sense to have some cats there. It's a good heartfelt story. Mm -hmm. Next up, a story of technology and humanity coming together to save lives. Paul Murphy was running through his neighborhood in California when he saw smoke coming from a garage. He ran up to the door and rang the smart doorbell. Courtney Polito, the homeowner, saw Paul on the doorbell's camera pacing nervously. She said hello, and Paul pointed out the smoke billowing out of the roof of her house. Courtney panicked, knowing her pets were inside. Two dachshunds, a rabbit, and a cat. 
She gave him the code to the front door, and he went into the burning home, getting everybody out safely. His actions not only saved the family's pets, but also alerted first responders quickly enough that the fire didn't spread beyond the garage. I want to meet this guy. I do, too. That sounds like... Yeah, to just be like, number one, I'm coming up to your house to tell you it's on fire. Yeah. Uh, Number two... Um, I will go into your burning house and get your pets. Exactly. Like that's amazing. Yeah, and I'm. And you think about it. Even if somebody doesn't have, like, a ring doorbell system, they do have those little sticky things that go in the window yeah. where you can write and say how many how many pets, pets you've you got have. in there. Yeah, exactly. So that's, just a thing to keep in mind. If yeah. You don't have that already because it can save your pet's life. And it is one of those things that because we hand them out here, you can get them free in a lot of places. But even if you want to buy one sticker, it's it's cheap. It's cheap to do. Um, And just make sure that you always keep it um, accurate, because if there were to be a fire and the number on there was inaccurate, there could be, you know, first responders looking for an animal that doesn't exist. Um, So just keep that updated. And, um, you know, but it's always good to let first responders know, you know, who to save. Exactly. Um, why don't we go talk to Dr. Anderson about some winter safety? All righty. The temperature definitely took a dip this past week, so it seems like a more than appropriate time to talk about how to keep pets safe during the harsh winter weather. Who better to have on the show today than our very own Dr. Marta Anderson? Thanks for being on today, Doc. Happy to be back. So I figured I'd start off with my personal experience with my dogs. You know them. Yes. They're two giant German shepherds, and they were built for the cold. So (laughs) they have a blast anytime it snows. And no matter how much fun they're having, I still have to know their limits. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they because they're built for the cold, they can last a little bit longer. But what about those dogs, the smaller breeds or the ones with shorter coats? How do we help pet owners understand their pet's tolerance for the cold and kind of detect when enough is enough? Yeah, I mean, that's an important thing to keep in mind, Sierra, because not every dog or cat is made the same. Um, You pointed out a few things that are important to remember. Dog size, larger dogs typically have an easier time maintaining their core temperature as opposed to a Chihuahua or a Yorkie. And uh, as such, those larger dogs can tolerate a slightly colder temperature without showing signs of hypothermia and frostbite, things we'll talk about later. So um, a general rule is if it's 20 degrees or below, definitely keep in mind wind chill um, in that temperature. So you can have a 40 degree day with terrible, terrible winds that will bring it to 20 degrees. So 20 degrees or below starts to get into the unsafe territory for any dog. Um, There's a great chart that you can find just Googling safe outdoor temperature for dogs, and it does break it down by dog size, and it's usually increments of five degrees. But if it's 20 degrees or below, that's when you should start to limit how long they are outside. Would that be just potty breaks? Yeah, um, definitely for getting 10 degrees or below, only in and out. I wouldn't even let them run around off leash, especially if they have a tendency to play Um, Once we're getting into the 20 degrees, short-haired dogs, small dogs, old dogs, they should start to get coats on. They should start to get booties on to protect their paws from um, frostbite. And uh, you should definitely keep in mind if you have a a really young large breed dog with a really old large breed dog, that old dog's still going to have more issues in the cold than the young dog. So they may want to keep playing, but it's not necessarily safe for both of them out there. 
And we do have those resources here. We have coats. Um, every now and then I'll see a couple booties come in. So if you all need help with that, definitely reach out. But what about, we were talking about older pets mm-hmm. or larger breeds. Say they have a medical condition like arthritis. Yeah. How does the winter weather affect them? And what do people need to do to give them some extra protection? Sure. Well, I'm sure a lot of people can relate with their own bodies that they start to feel joint pain when it's colder. I certainly do, especially in my knees. Um, arthritis is an inflammatory disease and cold will make the lubrication in the joints work less efficiently. And so any pain that's already there is going to be exacerbated by the cold. So certainly with arthritic pets, you should have them on joint supplements regardless, but really limit their time outside. They're not going to be ones that really want to take long walks in the winter. Try to focus their movement indoors with with enrichment and toys like we've talked about before. But um, any underlying condition, especially those affecting joints, are going to be made more severe in the cold temperatures. And one of the big things that comes up during the winter time are those toxic chemicals mm-hmm. like ice melt or antifreeze. What are some symptoms that owners should look out for in case their pet accidentally gets into that? Yeah, that's a really, really important thing to keep in mind. So first of all, you know, these are going to be kept probably in garages. Um, occasionally cars have leaks or in garages they're they're tipped over. Most of these products have a sweet taste. They've made some advances recently in in making them less appealing to animals. Yes. So if you can look for either a pet safe version or one that's been altered to make it less appetizing. But if a a dog or a cat gets into this, you might start to notice a behavior that could be described as acting drunk, wobbly, disoriented. They might be, um, have big pupils. They might be really excited or really, um, laid back for a, a longer term symptom. You might notice, you might see them starting to drink a lot and pee a lot. That's due to the kidney failure, which is the ultimate big, scary thing that these yeah. products cause. It is very severe. If you have any doubt or question as to if your pet got into this or not, it's always safest to take them to the nearest veterinary emergency center because the faster you intervene on this, the less likely the kidneys are to be damaged. And then how does somebody go about getting rid of those products? Uh, you certainly don't want to dump them. That's a big uh, attractant, you know, and not just thinking about owned pets, um, feral cats, raccoons, they can all get into the antifreeze and it'll cause the same thing in them. So reach out to your local waste center. Um, even if it's a landfill, they'll be able to direct you to hazardous waste dump sites. There are various organizations that come to your house to pick these things up. So Bottom line is, please, please, please don't dump this stuff. Don't dump it down the toilet. Don't dump it down the street drain. It is not safe. It is not um, It is not a, a good thing to do. And there are plenty of alternatives to get rid of this stuff. And as we're talking about this, you know, somebody may not know that their pet has gotten into mm-hmm. these products. So it's really important for you as a pet owner to develop a routine every time your pet comes inside. So with my dogs, because I like to say that they have little Grinch paws, they have that long hair that's in between their paw pads, they'll get little ice balls that Mm -hmm. build up, which I'm imagining can be very painful, but also making sure that we rinse those paws so that they don't lick the sweet antifreeze. Yeah. Is there anything else 
that you can think of that owners should add into their routine? Um, you certainly always want to give your pet a once-over anytime it's come from outside. Um, certainly checking the, the ear tips and the paw pads for any signs of frostbite is important, too. Once you rinse those off, use a, a warmer water to either wipe or rinse off the paws, and then you can assess to make sure they don't have signs of frostbite, and we can talk about those in a bit. Yep. And then, so there are a couple things out there that come up this time of year, Um in regards to truth or myth. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that came to my mind was the belief that dogs and cats are more resistant than humans to the cold because of all of the fur that they have. Is that true or false? It's kind of a gray line. Ah. I think that (laughs) it's important to not assume that because they are an animal, they are made for any type of environment and any type of temperature. That's not true. Yes, they do have a an added layer. Oftentimes uh, animals will grow an undercoat in the winter that gives them a little extra warmth and their tolerance of outer temperatures is much better than the average human. But their bodies still experience hypothermia. They still experience frostbite. They can still have that joint pain. So you can't just think about the core temperature. There's not a ton of fluff around the ears. There's not fluff on the paw pads. So there's still plenty of at-risk places that these pets can be affected by. So um, keep in mind that just because they are more happy to be outside when it's 20 than you are doesn't mean that it's a very comfortable temperature for them. Because their paw pads and their ears help regulate their body temperature. Yeah, and if you think about it, their paws are the ones coming in contact with the cold snow, the cold cement. It's like being barefoot outside. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if those get cold, then their core temperature starts to lower too. And then what about overfeeding your pets during the winter to get that extra poundage on them to keep them warmer? Is that a good idea? (laughs) That is a slippery slope. Okay. There are certain breeds like Malamutes, Huskies, Akitas that naturally have a thicker layer of fat because German shepherds, just German shepherds, maybe not necessarily, okay. um, gotcha. but the the really like Arctic Circle breeds gotcha. like those, they're going to have more fat, which lets them regulate their body a little better. But that does not mean that obesity is going to be a, a bonus for any of these pets. You will have a terrible time trying to get them to lose weight. It is much better to put a coat on your dog if it's shivering than say, yes. oh, well, let's go up 10 pounds every winter because the damage that that does to the heart, the damage that does to the the circulation and the joints, that's going to far away any benefit you gain from having that layer of fat. Because I assume that these dogs are not living outside the whole time, mm-hmm. um, they're they're not going to need it. So put on a coat on that dog. Don't yeah, make them fat. Winter is what three four months, and right? Versus the rest of their lifetime, mm-hmm. that obesity can have an impact on them, for sure. And well, we can't forget about our ferals no. and our community cats. You know, they've kind of adjusted to living outdoors. I'm sure, sure that they would get by on their own without us humans. 
But what are some things that we can do to give them some extra protection as well? Yeah, that's a, a good thought. Certainly a lot of people know that there are colonies in their neighborhood. They may even work with some of these colonies. So just keep in mind that these cats would like a warm place to sleep. Um, a great cheap solution is getting a large styrofoam box, cutting a hole in the side and filling that with straw. I would not use uh, any cloth if it's a feral, um, if you can avoid it because that's going to trap parasites. It's going to trap feces. Straw is uh, Or a even much, get wet and yeah, get even more cold. Yeah. So um, straw is good because it's cheap. It's replaceable. That way you can uh, change them out every few weeks. And, you know, if you have the means to keep a heated water bowl outside for them, the, the water is a big deal for outdoor animals in the winter because they can go a few days without food and be okay. But if they have no access to water because it's all frozen, then that's really where we start to get into trouble. So heated water bowls are really a, a great thing to keep outside. And we were talking about warm places. Another thing is they'll find a nice cozy place under the hood of your car. So yes. always make sure to give that a good tap uh -huh. before you leave. Um, you know, but there are some cases that we come across here where someone can't bring their pet inside. Sure. You know, obviously that's always ideal, but we understand, you know, the, the owner's situation, or sometimes that pet just prefers to live outside and doesn't adjust well in mm -hmm. the home. So what are some things that owners need to do in that case if their pet's always outside? What resources do they need to have? Absolutely. So shelter is really important. Shelter from wind and snow and the icy rain that we get. Make sure that it's an appropriately sized shelter. So uh, a dog house for a, a large breed dog needs to be big enough so that dog can get in there and turn around. They're not going to just shove themselves into a crevice to get out of the wind if they don't feel like they can turn around and get out. Um, you don't want it to be too big for the animal because the, the benefit of having a dog house is so that they can use their body heat to warm up that area. If you can get a house that has a, a door on it, one of those um, flapping doors is a, another windbreak, then they can really get it pretty warm with their body heat. So make sure they have shelter. And like I just mentioned, heated water bowls. I cannot overemphasize that enough. It is not um, it's not going to cut it if you just fill the water outside every day if it's cold enough to freeze it right away. Um, you certainly should be checking their water every day and make sure they're getting enough calories. They should be fed at least two to three times a day uh, in the winter. Another good idea is to put straw around outside where they are so that they have a little bit of a barrier between cold ground and their paws. Gotcha. And then to wrap things up, could you just tell us the signs or symptoms of frostbite and hypothermia? Yeah. So hypothermia is going to start with some shivering. They might feel, it might seem to you that they're acting kind of slow, just really lethargic. Oftentimes they'll start to become less responsive. So they may not be able to focus. They may not have recall if they usually do. Um, they may not 
be moving off of cold surfaces because their organs are having to take all the heat they have left. It can be fatal if it's not treated. So really important to avoid it. If you notice any of these signs and they've been out in the cold, please take them to a veterinarian. Frostbite certainly also a concern. Ears, tails, toes, those are the biggest areas of frostbite that we see. Um, you will probably notice discolored skin. Sometimes it's pale gray or blue. That means it's dying. Um, any areas that are cold where it should be warm. So if you're feeling the toes and you feel one cold toe, that, that probably means that the blood supply has stopped there. So that's been affected by that's frostbite. Scary. Yeah. Um, certainly can be painful. You might see swelling, blisters, ulceration. If you notice any of those, especially on an extremity, go see your vet too. And then another thing I just thought of, if you see a pet outside, please call your local animal control if it doesn't have um, protection from the elements as an adequate shelter, food, or water. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think we covered a lot in 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Only so. that please reach out to us if yeah. you have any concerns. If you're struggling to get your animal the resources that we mentioned, please don't let the, that be a barrier to them getting it. We can help almost every situation. So please reach yeah. out to us with any questions. All righty. Well, thank you, Dr. Andelson. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us and chat. My pleasure. Anybody with a dog knows that they get scared of the big booms of fireworks and thunderstorms, but a new study from the University of California, Davis, shows that even common noises such as household appliances like a microwave can be a trigger. Overall, the research shows that high-frequency repeating noises like a smoke detector battery warning are more likely to cause a dog anxiety rather than a continuous low-frequency noise. The researchers conducted a survey of 386 dog owners and examined recorded dog behaviors from videos found online. What they discovered was that owners generally underestimated their dog's fear. Some even responded with amusement rather than concern over their dog's well-being. Why? Well, while some fear behaviors are overt and easy to identify, some are more subtle and aren't as well known to your average dog owner. Licking their lips, stiffening their body, turning their head away, these are all signals that a dog's uncomfortable. Dogs use body language way more than their voice to communicate, so learning the signs is very important. When we spoke with Lily Chin, author of Doggy Language, she told us how learning about dog body language turned her whole relationship with her dog Boogie around, going from Boogie almost getting her evicted to being a sweet, well-behaved dog with an owner who understood what he was trying to say with his body language. That's why if you're not familiar with dog body language, it's definitely something worth checking out. And it doesn't have to be some deep dive into the ins and outs of doggy communication. Something as simple as Lily Chen's doggy language book illustrates in a pretty simple and straightforward manner that makes it great for seeing at a glance what your dog is telling you when they give you certain signals. But you don't even need to go out and buy a book, though you could. Um, There are lots of free resources online that can give you the basics to get you started. Want to communicate better with your pet? Learning dog body language is your best bet. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks again to Dr. Andelson for being her awesome self and talking to us about winter safety for your pets. As for us, we're a nonprofit that keeps pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to PRCKC.org and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. 
If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us. And for the latest information, be sure to follow us. We're at PRR Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. So until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as James Thurber wrote, if I have any beliefs about immortality, it is that certain dogs I have known will go to heaven and very, very few persons. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, produced and co-hosted by Sierra Howe and Dave Shapiro, written, recorded, and mixed and mastered by Dave Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me, or info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. Music.